circle, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone Territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. This week on Full Circle, we spend the hour on the case of Angelo Quinto, Angelo, a Navy veteran, was killed by Antioch police officers on December 23, 2020, as they responded to a mental health call from the family. On tonight's show, we'll hear sounds from the second annual memorial for Angelo Quinto, including the family, the family attorneys, and other impacted families. We'll also hear an in-depth interview with the Quinto Collins family attorney, Ben Niesenbaum, all that, and we'll feature music from the Justice for Angelo Quinto, Justice for All EP tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freewell and Franklin. I'm coming to you from right here in downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Yes, and again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Freewell and Franklin, and I will be your host tonight. And tonight, we will be hearing sounds from the second annual Commemoration of Life for Angelo Quinto. Angelo was killed back in December on the 23rd, 2020, when Antioch police responded to a mental health call from the family. Police held Angelo on his stomach with his hands cuffed behind his back and folded his legs up behind him as well, and he was held that way with the officer's weight on him for several minutes. When the officers finally got off of him, Angelo had stopped breathing. EMTs arrived and started CPR, but Angelo never regained consciousness and was pronounced dead three days later in a local hospital. Angelo's family has fought tirelessly for the past two years, not only for justice for their son, brother, and nephew, but also to put laws and systems into place so that hopefully, hopefully, other families would not have to go through what they did. Most notably, what they've done here locally, they have body cams for the Antioch police, and rolling out in February, a non police emergency response team for mental health calls. This past December 23rd, the family held a celebration of Angelo's life and shared what has taken place over the last two years since Angelo was killed. This is the opening of the event, starting off with Angelo's sister and stepfather, Bella and Robert. After them, we'll hear from the family attorney, John Burris. Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming um, both virtually and in person. Um, I'll be looking down at my phone a little bit because I have some notes here. 
But um, yes, today we're here commemorating Angelo Quintoa, who I called Que Angelo, um, on the second anniversary of his death, his killing. We're going to speak, of course, our family, and then we'll have our lawyers, some local government, the deputy consul general, and we will open it up, of course, to impacted families and friends. So thank you for coming. I think we can start now. Dad, you go ahead. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm Robert. Thank you all for making it out today. I know I know there was traffic for those that are coming from a little further. Um, so I want to thank you. Um, here we are, two years. It doesn't seem real. Um, because in a way, when you remember this, it just brings it all back to you and you, you wonder, <laughs> did this really happen? But it has been an amazing two years in many ways. And, and I think what we're trying to do when we think about Angelo is remember him and make sure that his death was not in vain. We do that by A, certainly trying to get justice with the police and trying to get charges. And, and we're doing that with... Uh, with the AG and hoping that the AG will look at the um, abuse of discretion that the DA Becton uh, showed by not charging Angelo and, and making up a fictitious story. But on another important level, we do that by attempting to make reforms that would have made Angelo's death not happen. And we have a lot to celebrate around what we have been able to accomplish. Now, we don't do that alone. We do that with you, with all of you. The people I see in front of me have been the people that have been active in making a difference. All of us in our communities, this community, other communities, neighboring communities, you, it's been amazing to get to know you, to work with you. And so a little, I guess I'll do a really brief recap of what's happened over two years, um, just from that perspective. Um, working with Antioch leaders, we got body cams and dash cams in Antioch. That was one of our first demands. We, we had said, release the video of the body cams. That's how naive we were. This is one of my first demands at the press conference. I thought they were keeping it from us. It didn't exist. Um, Antioch was one, as far as I know, of six communities in the state of California that did not have body cams. And so, thankfully, we got a unanimous vote for body cams uh, back in early 2021. Secondarily, we asked Antioch uh, to ban the knee to neck restraint or what we now call banning holds that lead to positional asphyxia. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do so through the local government at that point. I don't know why that was controversial, um, but we were lucky enough to join hands with uh, Assembly Member Mike Gibson and we were able to pass, uh, help pass AB 490, the Andrew Quinto Act of uh, 2021 and making California only the second state in the nation that bans holds that lead to possession of asphyxia. And so, um, you know, even the George Floyd Act does not ban position of asphyxia. It's a crazy thing when you think about it. It's this, it's this often misused and abused technique. Uh, thirdly, I think we've worked with a lot of you in this room and I really mean it. You've done more than we have, but we have tried to do our part and share our story in debunking excited delirium which is what they said Angelo died of, which as some of you in this room have said uh, and investigated and reported on and so forth, only happens really in modern times when you have 
when you are under the um, custody of a police officer. You're either being tased or asphyxiated. Um, so I think there's been a lot of progress and we're happy that we've had a role in that. So here's the other thing we asked for originally, the third point, thank you. One of the biggest asks that we had that seemed insurmountable because it required resources and money. And guess what the usual argument for not changing is? Money and resources and who you're gonna take it away from. So I wish that the uh, Mayor Lamar Thorpe and Council Member uh, Torres Walker who just won her recount by four votes, I believe, better than three. And Monica Wilson, Council Member Monica Wilson, and, and the other uh, Council Members as well for voting for it but particularly those who have shown this great leadership, they were able to, in two years, get going a program. Uh, and uh, if she was here, I would thank her profusely for naming it after Andrew Quinto, but that's not really the important thing. The important thing is, and we have uh, Al Gilbert here from the Felton Institute, they're the ones that will be running the Antioch non-police mental health response team that will look for ways of de-escalating the situations and give us other numbers to call and other resources when there's a mental health emergency where a gun, a taser, or asphyxiating somebody is not the right answer. So thank you. And um, I think what they've done, you know, the city council was apologetic because it took two years in their last thing. And I, and I thought, having worked in government, I actually think two years is fast. I was telling that to Al, and I know it sounds, uh, but, but I am thankful. I am thankful for that, that is happening. This is a big change. We want to make sure the program... Um, and we want to contribute and share to, 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 I think this is a great resource for, Ant for Antioch. And we know that mental health problems are on the rise, particularly after COVID. We, you, you know, we don't need statistics to know this. It's so evident in our community. So it couldn't come at a better time. Al, if I may announce, I don't know if I should let you announce a little bit later on, but uh, uh, Al Gilbert, CEO of the, of the uh, Felton Institute, just informed me that they expect to be live on February 1st or thereabouts. So we're thrilled uh, again. So um, now there have been some things that have not gone our way over this year. So one of them is that the DA, uh, Diana Beckton, uh, not only didn't charge, which was her discretion, didn't charge the officers. We really think that they should have been charged for manslaughter at the very least, at a minimum. Um, but she had discretion to make a decision as an elected district attorney. Instead of using her discretion, she abused her discretion by lying and coming up with a totally different story of what happened um, and attempting to exonerate the police officers. So we've asked uh, State Attorney General Rob Bonta to look into the case. He has agreed to look into the case and we hope that we can give him resources so that he's able to do that. I know he has been courageous and has um, shown leadership in uh, with other families, impacted families. We, we know uh, well because unfortunately we're now members of a club that nobody wants to be a member of and, and we're close, we talk to each other. Um, so we know he's been courageous in taking those cases. We hope that he will really review what is to me a really clear abuse of discretion by DA Diana Beckton. Um, because she didn't have to lie. She could have said the truth and we, there's nothing we could have done about it. We'd never expected them to charge. It doesn't happen in these cases. But to actually manufacture a different story is really troubling for any official. Um, the other thing that didn't go our way this year, but we'll have to come back, is AB 1608, which would have separated the sheriff from coroner's offices in, in California. 
was not able to muster the votes at the very last second. The sheriff's offices and many Democrats came out against it. And so we have to work to reform and to, to so the Democrats understand, even in California, the Republicans voted against it, but, but the Democrats came out at the end, a lot of them, half of them, uh, and voted against it. So we have to work to educate those folks and to have them understand better that California is only one of three states in the nation that allows still to this day. Now, 200 years ago, that wasn't the case. But today, when the sheriff is not the only government in town, California remains one of three states that allow the sheriff and coroner to be one and the same, and therefore the sheriff to investigate its own officers when they do something and to determine why somebody died when their officers killed them. And so it's wrong. Montana, Nevada, and California are the only three states left in the nation. So we have to work to change that. Um, so I will end it with that and say that, you know, this keeps on going. We, we were committed to continue to make a change. The civil case continues. Um, I think you will be seeing more news and we will continue to try to debunk excited delirium and come up with, uh, you know, continue to work towards making this community better. That gives us hope. And that is for us, the thing that makes Angelo's death not seem so incredibly, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, it, it was, it would have been a wasted life if we cannot make something good out of it. Um, because he, he was not violent, he was not under drugs. And the same officer that came out here to this house in October and 5150 him, the same officer that came two months later. So he knew that Angela wasn't violent. He was paranoid. He may have been a pain. He was terrified of the police. Please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. But he knew that there was no violence there. And so we'll continue to work to, towards justice. We, 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 we still have hope. There's more, much more to come, I think. And so with that, I'll turn it over to Bella so she can take us to the next thing. Thank you, Dad, for saying all of that. <laughs> uh, before we transition over to our lawyers, Ben and John, who we have on Zoom, um, I just wanted to make a small announcement of something that is upcoming, and that is a family-run support group for um, impacted families and community members. Uh, and by impacted, I mean impacted by police violence, of course. Uh, I will be running it um, and we'll be starting up sometime January. Um, but that's just a new resource that we wanted to share with you guys and something that we look forward to expanding on in the foreseeable future. Uh, so now I think we're going to transition to Ben and John on Zoom. That might take a moment. I'm here. One, I'm pleased that I'm able to uh, appear here today. All of you mean a lot to us, being in my office. Uh, I really uh, use your use this case as a, shine, a shining example of what the community can do in terms of putting forth an agenda that's related to a case that happened and making things change, make real change. And your efforts are going to the legislature, going before the council. These are commendable. And this is, I've heard me say this before, but this is what real democracy looks like, notwithstanding what we've seen with the effort to overturn the government. But in local communities, this is what it looks like. And you know, Ben and I, in many, many cases down through the years, in some cases, we have an opportunity to bring about change, uh, but most not. Uh, and so we want it, we like it when a case is greater than just 
the death of that person, that that death means something to the community and it means something to others. And what has taken place here is wonderful and tremendous and, and, and will have more benefits than many, many other cases will have and they will have long lasting benefits. And as Robert has said, it's not over yet. One interesting part, and I think the part that's most troubling to me as Robert has mentioned, and that is the district attorney's position that they were not going to file charges. That's the kind of thing I can accept to some extent, but I cannot accept the fact they conjured up this theory that Angelo was under the influence of drugs and that he caused his own demise by that. When it was totally wrong and any clear reading of the medical records will clearly have shown that he was not under the influence, and that could not have been the cause of death. And so that part is one we hope that um, Attorney General Bonda would take a very close look at and have something to, to say about unraveling that component, whether or not he brings charges or not. The other thing that, and I'll have Ben go from here, but the other part that is that you should know, and that is one of the police officers in this case is involved in a huge scandal and very well may get indicted either for uh, acts of brutality or fabricating uh, his um, work, his education by having someone actually proctor the classes for him and, and give him a grade, all for the express purpose of trying to increase their pay, uh, which is scandalous. And so uh, it may very well impact this case in terms of how ultimately when we get down to a jury trial or resolution of it, uh, that uh, that may have some impact on, on the ultimate resolution of the case. But notwithstanding that, it only goes to the point that I know that people have, a lot of folks, maybe I'll stand outside of you all now because of this case, have these views about the sanctimoniousness of police officers. Well, this is an example that they can be very, very corrupt. And it's not the first case I've had where the officers, in fact, were engaged in extracurricular illegal activities where they, in fact, were getting drugs from people put them in their locker room and then taking the drugs out and reselling them to the community. So this is, this is a sort of a, a, a collateral attack on that. And it also goes uh, to the underpinnings of our, our case here because of all the statements that were made initially. So I would only say that we're making real good progress here. And I think it's the family's uh, willingness to stay in charge and stay involved uh, and stay connected to it and, and, and really, um, is helpful, and then I think it's the kind of thing that it's a role, it's a map, and and um, and sort of symbolic nature for all other communities where you have loved ones who have lost by the police. These are the kind of things that you can can do and and bring about real change, so that the death itself is not one that's lost in vain. That some positive benefit uh, can come from it. Also, given what we're trying to do, hopefully there will not be future deaths. We've all you all know, and Ben will talk about it more about uh, this whole. Um, excited delirium and, and our concerns and views about that and how the coroner conducted his evaluation. These are all things that are on the table now for us to do. But I think that uh, it is helpful to us to know that all of you uh, are behind it, are involved, uh, so that your views can be heard, notwithstanding what we do. We ought to know that this is a community uh, that's involved with this and that we want changes, not only for this case, but for future cases and hopefully prevent uh, future Angelo type cases from occurring. So again, I'm pleased to be here with you. As I said earlier, I am going to be leaving because I'm I'm flying out uh, first thing in the morning, but I wanted to participate as much as I could here today. 
So again, congratulations on having this. Uh, again, I'm sorry ultimately about um, Angelo's death. Uh, it should not have happened. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle right here on KPFA Radio, 94.1 FM. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. I am your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin, and you just heard the opening part of the second annual Angelo Quinto commemoration. In that opening clip, we heard from Bella and Robert, Angelo's sister and stepfather. We also heard from John Burris, one of the family attorneys. After this music break, we'll get an in-depth update on the Angelo Quinto case from Ben Niesenbaum. He works alongside John Burris on Angelo's case. And just a reminder, all the music we're going to hear tonight is from the Justice for Angelo Quinto Justice for All EP put out by Beat Rock Music. We will have a link to the entire EP on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. Check it out. We'll be right back. For my people, we see you from down south to the bay, from New York to LA, from Mama to the grave. For my people, we need you from down south to the bay, from New York to LA. Angelo Quinto, 30 years old, a Navy veteran, kind, intelligent, whole life ahead of him, a victim of violence inflicted by cops, system demands that you're silent and watch another brother get shot or knee to the neck, serve and protect, sounds more like a threat by the boys in blue, so we sing these blues, build and move to abolish this crude and corrupt... They keep killing our folks This is for the families of the victims they broke This is for the people they gun and choke I can't breathe, last words they spoke For my people, we see you From down south to the bay From New York to LA From mama to the grave For my people, we need you From down south to the bay From New York to LA From mama to the grave From mama to the grave We blossom through pain like flower and vase Like sparkling daylight Stars splitting through the dark The drama of a life Most of us just trying to work through the stage fright Yeah, how many lives they gonna take? Like, write it off as mistake Like, it's your take, right? why when we talking race It's something we don't take Like, all 50 states dealing with similar case Like, get your pace right they ain't your face like, yeah. We gon' make it real clear. We ain't going nowhere. Yeah, we all still here. What's my people? We see you from down south to the bay. From New York to LA. From mama to the grave. From my people, we need you. From down south to the bay. From New York to LA. From mama to the grave.
All right, welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA and KPFA.org, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. And you just heard a track off the Justice for Angelo Quinto, Justice for All EP, and that was G. Yamazawa uh, and Power Struggle with their track, People. And I'll post a link to that EP on our website after the show tonight so you could check out all the music. And that's kpfaapprentice.org. Check that out later tonight. And before that, we heard the opening speakers from the second annual Memorial Celebration for Angelo Quinto. And we heard from Bella and Robert, the sister and the stepfather of Angelo Quinto. And we also heard from two of the attorneys representing the family, John Burris and Ben Nissenbaum. And again, if you're just joining us, Angelo Quinto was killed on December 23rd, 2020 by the Antioch police as they responded to a mental health call from the family. So coming up next, I'm going to be speaking with Ben. He is one of the attorneys representing the Quinto Collins family, and he's going to make it a little more clear on what is happening at this time, two years later with the Angelo Quinto case. Uh, welcome back to Full Circle and KPFA, Ben. Thank you, Frank. Now, Ben, I kind of want to go through a few things, as we mentioned uh, earlier before we got on the air here, because a lot has happened in the last couple of years, including some new information. So let's take it back first to the report released by the district attorney, Diana Becton, and her reasons for not charging the officers in the death of Angelo Quinto. As we heard the family attorney, uh, your partner, John Burris, say, it's kind of one of those things you expect. The officers are you know, not charged in most cases, but the district attorney went beyond just not charging the officers, and it sounds like they may have even falsified some information in the report. Can you talk about some of the findings in the report released by the district attorney that you and the law offices are disagreeing with? Well, ultimately, I think what's very troubling about it is it's a clear effort to exonerate the officers. They have no business doing that. It's one thing to say that they cannot prove a crime. It's another thing to try to exonerate them, which is what the DA's office appeared to try to do in the report. But beyond that, the report made several misrepresentations. For example, the report claimed that fentanyl contributed to Angelo's death, which is bizarre because he was given fentanyl in the hospital after he had already essentially died. So how could that have contributed to him being asphyxiated or to anything that happened at the scene when it was given to him later in the course of his medical care? Uh, same thing with the uh, anti-seizure drug that was found in his system. That was given to him when he was at the hospital and having seizures in the course of dying and that is indicative of his brain death. So, and that, that report really was a front. It was, a, uh, it was an effort to exonerate the officers and, and a, a fabricated one in our view. Well, let's go back now to the, the coroner's inquest because that's kind of what her report alludes to. And a couple of things I wanna talk about about that inquest is one, um, the inquest itself and the work the Quinto family did along with other families on 1608. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that. 
separating the coroners from the sheriff's office. But let's start with the findings of the coroner's inquest and how they said Angelo died. Can you kind of walk us through Dr. Ogan, Ogan's report and then let's compare that with what you found through your own independent autopsy that you and the family have done and some of this new medical records that you, the attorneys, have finally gotten from, from the coroner's office. So um, first kind of lay out what the coroner's inquest said happened to Angelo. So the, well, the first thing to know, though, is that the coroner's inquest testimony was inconsistent with the coroner's report. So the coroner's inquest testimony from Dr. Ogan was that Angelo died from so-called excited delirium uh, as a consequence of having a stimulant in his system. And it didn't make any sense. Uh, he said there were no petechial hemorrhages in, his, in Angelo's eyes. We knew that wasn't true because we had done a second autopsy that showed numerous petechial hemorrhages in his eyes. Most troubling is that the hearing officer never confronted Dr. Ogan or never had Dr. Ogan testify to what was actually in his report because Dr. Ogan's report did say that asphyxiation could certainly be a factor in his death as well. That's what his autopsy report said, that that was also a factor or also could have been a factor. So what you had from the coroner's inquest really was propaganda and baseless propaganda. And that's one of the problems, right? One of the things that happened, Angelo's family is trying to separate the, sheriff, the sheriff's officer, office from the coroner's office because there's an inherent conflict when you have law enforcement uh, investigating themselves, but also law enforcement having authority over the coroner that determines the cause of death. And that's probably one of the main factors that will determine whether or not criminal charges are filed against the police. In this case, our view is they should be filed, they should have been filed, and even if you look at Dr. Ogan's actual autopsy report, which says that asphyxiation, positional asphyxiation, could have been a factor, criminal charges should have been filed. And well, let's break it down a little bit more because I want to make it clear what people are hearing. So let's go back to the um, excited delirium. Dr. Ogan said that Angelo died from excited delirium. Kind of explain what excited delirium is to our listeners. Excited delirium at its most fundamental level is being restrained to death by the police, being asphyxiated by the police, number one, because that's the only time it ever happens. That's the only time people die from excited delirium, when the police asphyxiate them to death during restraint. Uh, that's bottom line. This is a term that the American Medical Association and other uh, medical associations say is not a true medical term. It's not a true medical term, and exactly, the AMA says that, other organizations say that, and the reason being that there's no causation between uh, whatever the excited state the person is in and how they die. But there is, there is causation between being restrained, having your chest compressed, not being able to breathe, and then dying from being asphyxiated. So there's causation there, and I think that's, that's the biggest point. Just because a person is in a state of mind where they're uh, 
where they're obviously not in their right state of mind and maybe they're acting in a way that is irrational and maybe they're having uh, hallucinations, other things of that nature, paranoia, that doesn't kill you. You know, that, that's nothing that kills you. And there's nothing about Angelo's situation that suggested that he was about to die. Not until the police got on top of him did, did it become a true medical emergency. And then you said that what you found in the um, secondary autopsy you already knew was there, that there was petechial hemorrhaging. Can you explain to the listeners what that um, is and what that means when you find that? So petechial hemorrhages are pinpoint hemorrhages uh, that happen in, in the uh, thin blood vessels. They happen as a consequence of blood pressure, of blood backing up. And that happens because there's pressure applied to the body that's causing the blood vessels to not be able to uh, pump blood out. So, they, so the capillaries uh, actually pop. And they're very small capillaries. You can see them best in, in a person's eyes and eyelids. And so we had a second autopsy done that showed numerous diffuse petechial hemorrhages in Angelo's eyes and eyelids. So we knew they were there. And what does that indicate? What it means is that there was a lot of pressure placed on the person, a lot of weight, uh, enough that, that uh, it's consistent with being unable to expand your chest, which is a necessary part of breathing, a necessary component. And it means there was a lot of pressure placed on a person's body. So as much as the officers say that they never put any pressure on his body of significance, that's obviously not true. That can't be true. His body actually contradicts that. And the petechial hemorrhages are the best evidence of that. We know they're there. And I've deposed Dr. Ogan now twice, and I'm deposing him a third time later this month. And he's agreed that the autopsy pictures that we have show there are petechial hemorrhages, numerous petechial hemorrhages throughout his eyes. And he's unable to provide a good explanation as to why our pictures show those petechial hemorrhages that he says were not there when he took, when he did his autopsy. Now let's um, talk a little bit about what you touched on about Dr. Ogan and Ogan and how he can, how he can get on a stand and say this. 1608 was um, the bill that the Angelo Quinto and other families worked hard on in 2022, and it didn't make it. Uh, again, just mention how important it is that we can do something like 1608, which would separate the coroner from the sheriff's office. And um, what would that give us as citizens? I think it would give us a, a, a greater sense of confidence in the findings of a coroner when it comes to an officer-involved death. Uh, it would give us the ability to maybe consider that the coroner is less influenced by law enforcement, it, it's not a perfect solution. But I think the other thing to note is the coroner's inquest system in Contra Costa County is obviously broken. Uh, I mean, that functioned in this case as a piece of propaganda. Is there a chance that Dr. Ogan can be removed from his practice for, for putting out information such as he has in the Quinto case. And I know he's been um, brought up to the stand in numerous cases. So is this something that, you know, is even possible that remove Dr. Ogan from 
you know, performing these type of duties? I don't know the, I do not know the answer to that. I think to me, that's really more of a political question. If you read his report, uh, his report is, is certainly more rational in the sense that it identifies asphyxiation as a contributing factor to Mr. Kinto's death. So uh, what it does, the problem with the report is it fails to identify the numerous petechial hemorrhages in Mr. Kinto's eyes. And that brings us to another issue here. Uh, and I know we talked earlier about, a, about there being new evidence. Well, we finally have the, the photographs that were taken during the autopsy of Mr. Kinto. And, uh, and that's during Dr. Ogan's autopsy. And although there, there are only two pictures of his eyes, one of his right eye, one of his left eye, and they're not good pictures. If you put two and two together, the, uh, what you can tell from the pictures that Dr. Ogan took is that those is that particular hemorrhages were present in Mr. Kinto's eyes uh, at the time that, that Dr. Ogan took those pictures. And you can tell that because you can see what's at the border of his eyelids and you can see what's right behind it when you when you compare it to the pictures that Dr. Amalu took during the second autopsy. All right. Thank you for that. That's the voice of attorney Ben Nussenbaum. He represents the Quinto Collins family in the December 23rd, 2020 death of Navy veteran Angelo Quinto, who died at the hands of Antioch police on a mental health call. Ben, let me get your thoughts on what's next for the Angelo Quinto case coming up in 2023. Look, and if the way the case is going, at some point we'll have a trial. I don't exactly have the trial date in mind right now. It got moved, uh, but we haven't been able to depose the officers yet. We'll be deposing them soon enough, I think. And right now the, the uh, officer's attorney is objecting that the officers remain under investigation by the state attorney general. And so he claims their uh, Fifth Amendment rights would be violated if they had to answer questions. And that's not my concern. You know, I don't see if, if everything happened the way they said it did, they should answer questions. We know it didn't. And of course, our view is that they want to avoid uh, answering questions, period. I guess before I let you go, let's talk about the way the Quinto Collins family has been able to drive positive change in our community and across the state. In a lot of cases, someone may be killed by the police and after years of litigation, um, no real true justice is delivered and there may be some sort of monetary settlement or something like that and a payout to the family and people move on with their life but nothing really substantial changes. Tell us about how different this case is and the achievements that the Quinto family has been able to achieve. This case has been different. Uh, the Quinto family has done incredible work in terms of bringing not just awareness uh, to uh, what happens when people get restrained by police and prone restraint and how people are killed that way, but uh, they've done, there's been 
considerable legislation and policy changes that have been made uh, in order to uh, prevent prone restraint. Uh, but, you know, there's more work to be done. Although the, there are changes that now prevent prone restraint, they don't entirely prevent prone restraint. So there's more work to be done, but they've done wonderful work in that area. All right, Ben, I think we're about to wrap up. Is there any last words that you would want to say to the KPFA listeners um, regarding this case or, you know, police um, brutality and killing cases across the country? The first is, uh, and we didn't touch on this directly, but they tried to hide Dr. Well, my view is they tried to hide Dr. Ogan's autopsy pictures. Dr. Ogan testified in deposition that he took several pictures that were similar of kind and, and quality to of, of Angelo's eyes that were similar to Dr. Amalu's autopsy pictures. Well, that doesn't appear to be the case. It looks like he only took one of each eye, which is clearly below the standard of what should have happened by Dr. Ogan's own testimony. Uh, and so they, it took, it was a very difficult thing to get the autopsy photographs. I had to pull a lot of strings and uh, ultimately we got them. And, and to me, it's just damning. It's damning of the entire process. Uh, how a person could look at, at those pictures and say that there are not particular hemorrhages is beyond me. But Dr. Ogan will have to answer for that. And he'll answer that ideally at the end of this month. I guess that brings me to another question before I do let you go. Is there a chance after the attorney general or um, after this case winds its way through that Angelo's death certificate could be changed from excited delirium to um, what would they change it to at the hands of another? Or is there a possibility of that? Because I know the family was very disappointed that um, as anybody would be that this fake science terminology was used in the death of their son. So is there a chance that that death certificate could be changed? That is actually something that we are working on. Uh, it should be changed. It was an abuse of discretion. What happened at the coroner's inquest It was a finding that was based on false testimony, at least at a minimum inaccurate testimony. But our view is false testimony and it should be changed. There is a process. We're following that process. We won't be able to move forward with that process until I complete the deposition of Dr. Ogan. But we want that to happen, and it should be changed. This is a homicide. It should be identified as such, and that means death at the hands of another. That's what, what it should be. It's, it is not an accident. The question of whether it's criminal or not, that's that is something where that we hope that Attorney General Fonta will make that decision and that he will choose rationality over the propaganda uh, that, that we've heard so far. All right, Ben Nissenbaum, thank you very much for speaking with us tonight on Full Circle. And Ben is one of the team of attorneys working with John Burris for the Angelo Quinto family. Um, again, Angelo was killed by Antioch police December 23rd, 2020. Thanks again, Ben, for speaking with us and shining uh, a light on what's been happening uh, with the Angelo Quinto case. Thank you very much. Thank you, Frank.
All right, stick around for more Full Circle. We'll be right back. Hey, yo. What is that? What is that? What is that noise? He said he can't breathe. The man can't breathe, huh? He said he can't breathe, yeah. The man can't, huh? Of course police gon' say it ain't excessive They said Noni was applied to the neck But I don't get it If asphyxiation is the cause of death of my brother Handcuffed and is witnessed by his uncles and his mother And he died from being strangled Three days later But Noni was applied to man's neck on paper That make as much sense as a half a penny That's why I stay abusing Bud like Kelly I'm all edgy, yeah I've been in this fight for quite a long minute Since LA 92 That's a really long minute Where the black is George Floyd The Filipino is Kinto this goes out to all the people we've lost to the post roll The Jake 1250 at one time They gon' try and press you just as sure as the sunshine So I suggest, no, I insist that you get your Asian ass up and start to resist Don't go crying about the hate to your ethnicity, homes. You had opportunities to scrap with enemies, homes. The culprit of the real defamation of a people The kung fu talking is from China-type people <laughs> Don't mistake the crime of need with the crime of hate That punk police who killed Angela that's the face of hate Rally round the family Link this family with that family To f*** it up so badly That they gotta listen to us chanting Angelo Welcome back to Full Circle Right here on 94.1 FM KPFA You just heard the track Noise by Bamboo that is another track off the Justice for Angelo Quinto, Justice for All EP from Beat Rock Records. Again, I will post a link to the entire EP on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. Now, to close out the show tonight, we'll hear from some of the other families that have been impacted by police violence. They spoke as well at the second annual Celebration of Life commemorating Angelo Quinto. I believe I'll have time for about two of them tonight. This clip starts off with Angelo's stepfather, Robert Collins, introducing Ton Hall. Her son, Miles Hall, was killed by Wana Creek police in 2019. Uh, Miles was also killed during a mental health call. Then we'll hear from Uncle Bobby and some of his remarks that he made. Uncle Bobby being the uncle of Oscar Grant, who was killed by BART police in the early hours of New Year's Day in 2009. Check it out. So we'd like to invite um, then uh, some of the impacted families. Maybe maybe Ton could uh, lead off, and uh, uh, we have several here. Um, and uh, I would just say this. You know, we often say, and in, 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 in when it comes to families, you become a member of a club that you don't want to be a member of. But... Um, you know, it's an amazing journey to go through it with all of you guys. I've gotten to know you, to love you, and to respect you, and to learn from you. And uh, and you 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 have encouraged us, and you have inspired us. And uh, so, all of you. Let's start with you. Hi, everybody. Hi, my name's Ton Hall, and it's my um, a daughter, Alexis Miles's sister. Um, Miles was killed um, on June second, two thousand nineteen, by the Walnut Creek Police Department. Um, while experiencing a mental health emergency. So we're here, you know, to support the family. Like, like they said, you're in a club, no one wants to be involved in, but you know, we're here for you guys. We're here to support you. 
um, to work together, to co be a coalition, to collaborate on ways that we can make a difference. And uh, we started the Miles Hall Foundation and our main focus is decriminalization of mental health, of mental illness. We shouldn't be calling the police. And it's great to see that we have the Felton Institute here um, who is you know, making those changes and working with Antioch. And, um, but that's because of a Angelo, you know, we're here, um, Angelo is because if we're here making these changes, we can always know that his death won't be in vain along with my son, Miles and countless others. Um, so we just are here with you. We love you. And, um, we're just sorry we're, we're here. Um, but know that, I mean, it's fun to he hear the stories about Angelo and how beautiful he was, you know, so, um, let's never forget that. And even though we didn't know him, we, we see that we see that twinkle in his eye and we're just, we're just, um, we're here for you. So thank you. I'm going to say his name, Angelo Quinto. Thank you. Can we say Miles Hall as well? <laughs> thank you. Sorry. I just was remembering that I think all of us who've experienced this, we can still hear the sound of their voices and their laughter and their terrible singing. Maybe some of them sang well, but you can still hear it and you you want to hear it again. We also welcome uh, the family of Oscar Grant to come speak as well. First, for those who may not know, I'm the uncle of Oscar Grant, actually known to the community as Uncle Bobby. Of course, Oscar's mother, Wanda's my baby sister, Oscar's mother. Uh, first, uh, definitely our love, you know, our condolences, you know, and our commitment to work with the family to continue to get um, justice for the family, but not only just justice for Quinto's family, but for those hopefully that we don't want to come behind us. Uh, and so is it the Felton or Felton? Yes, Felton. Felton, thank you for the great work that you're doing in the community. Uh, of course, to Gigi for mental health, because I can remember early in my journey, I saw in, I think it was 2015 when I did the research, 56% of police killings were of that of an individual that was having a mental crisis state. Uh, and I knew then, back then, that this was a major issue concerning police violence in this country. Um, but we should keep the faith, uh, you know, and I'll just say this, you know, during our journey, uh, we've, of course, run back and forth to Sacramento and so uh, there has been legislation passed that has actually helped open the doors for us to continue to reform this sick, sick policing agency here in the state of California, one of the most egregious. Uh, of course, it started in 2009 with the murder of Oscar Grant and us getting a citizen oversight with an independent auditor that is still at work today, uh, sadly behind the murder of Oscar Grant. Of course, I can move to we'll just say 2015 when AB 71 was passed, uh, which is the use of force data collection, getting that data to prove what we're saying, that there was an exorbitant amount of black folks and brown folks being killed by the police in this country, following that with AB 953, the Racial Identification Profiling Act, because we asked the question, well, what are our chances of surviving if there is a police stop? 
and the, the, the statistics of that is so high, it's no wonder many of us run when we are stopped because we don't know what we're going to encounter. You know, in 2018, we came back with the right to know SB 1421, uh, Senator Skinner championed that bill. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, impacted families, you know, been supportive of all these bills. We've been at these, these places. So Cornell West said, if you want to hear the truth, you must let the suffering speak. And I think many times when we went up there to the state capitol and was able to speak to these legislators, they begin to hear our cry and, and fill us because before it was heart and hearts and deaf ears. Eventually, we begin to see legislators drop tears and begin to lean over the table to hear more and begin to come on our side. So we're making progress. Of course, in um, I think it was 2019, we passed AB 392, the most strictest use of force legislation in this nation. You know, and so we've been moving forward. Thank you. And then sadly, as you know, Angelo was murdered. And of course, we got, I forget the bill number, the, the Choco AB 490 was passed. Um, you know, and of course, that issue that really came to surface was excited delirium. And I just shared with Robert, um, uh, one of the testifiers when we were champion 1608 that deals with this excited delirium uh, method that these medical examiners come up with to excuse the police from the murders that they commit. Uh, 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 Roger Mitchell just turned, not just turned, but he's always been a champion, but made it clear that that is an issue because the same medical examiner that claimed that George Floyd died from excited delirium and other health issues, as now we hope we'll have charges brought against him because he has done that to so many folks that has been killed by the police. So this is this is it's, it's really coming up now. And Angelo has been sadly a champion of us really paying attention to that, you know. Um, we didn't quite get 1608 passed, but I believe if we could find a ready legislator or uh, continue to charge with the one we had, I believe we can get it passed because there's more evidence now that that is a concern and an issue. And there's been many other legislation passed. And one of the ones that we're talking about today is the, the crisis hotline, you know, um, dealing with uh, the mental health issues instead of having the police come. So um, keep the faith. All right, I have to cut it off right there. You are listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. That was the voice of Uncle Bobby, the uncle of Oscar Grant. And before Bobby was Ton Hall, her son Miles Hall was killed by Walnut Creek Police in 2019 during a mental health crisis. A big shout out to the families who, under tremendous circumstances, they work so hard not only for justice for their loved ones, but also to try and make it so what happened to them is less likely to happen to another family. So thank you all for all the work that you do. Also, we mentioned a few times tonight Excited Delirium. The Quinto Collins family participated in an online launch of the Physicians for Human Rights debunking excited delirium report i'll post a link to the video and a report on our website kpfaapprentice.org 
just after the show tonight. And hopefully in the future, I'll be able to play some of that audio here on the air. And a reminder, I only played a couple excerpts from the second annual Angelo Quinto commemoration. I'll post a link to the Justice for Angelo Quinto Facebook page where the video should be posted. If it's not there yet, it will be soon, I am told. So thank you all for listening. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember, check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight for important links and information related to tonight's show. And of course, I will post a link to all the music we shared tonight. Shout out to the Full Circle crew, Miss M, the executive producer, and me, Freewill and Franklin. I have been your host tonight, and I'm also the technical director for this show, Full Circle. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, to please, please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone. And I'll take this last minute to go out with one more track off the Justice for Angelo Quinto, Justice for All EP. This is Ruby Ibarra with Light One Up. Light One Up. Light one up. Hey. This is my offer to you. Wish I got to know you back then. They said I'm right and you a letter. Fill my thoughts through a pen. But what's worse if I'm moving? Guess it's you behind this movement. Sometimes I'm feeling cursed, so are we losing? I'm using these days to stand up and fall back on my knees. I get caught up in the cycle of these spots and my grease. I get caught up in the stuff to put some people like me into these places and positions. Make you think that you're free. But remember, every movement needs a seed to just grow. And turn the flower to a tree and turn the leaves and they show. All of our lifelines, bloodlines, ancestor timelines. Sidelines, the headlines, we ain't get no guidelines. I took notes of right lines, some headlines, they match mine. This rewriting fate, hands down on my timeline. You weren't the first one. Too many people that we lost, but trust me, that